What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And Bart, we uh, have a lot to do again tonight. We got another (laughs) episode of our position preview series. Uh, We were hoping to do all of running back last time, but there was so much to talk about. We made an executive decision to split it into (laughs) AFC and NFC. (laughs) So tonight will be the NFC edition of the preview series. And I wanted to start it off by, um, you know, we, we do these rankings and they're subject to change, you know, right yeah. up until really uh, week one kicks off. Um, you may see some changes in the rankings. I mean, obviously we want to uh, have them as, as in as good shape as we can at the time everyone's drafting this coming week. Um, but there will be changes from time to time. And sometimes it's funny things that cause those changes. So for me, I was asked a question on Twitter uh, today by uh, actually this this guy who follows me who I met up with when I was in England so that was fun that's but cool. he asked me uh, how I would rank the following three running backs in full PPR he okay. asked me Alvin Kamara uh, Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones mm. and I think they're pretty tight but you know I looked at my rankings and granted those are for half PPR but I looked at it and I was like this just doesn't feel right like it doesn't feel right to me to have Saquon Barkley ahead of Aaron Jones, so I, <laughs> I switched that based on that question, and I now have it: Kamara, Jones, and Barkley. Uh, I'm a noted Barkley doubter. We'll get into that, but uh, do you have any similar things that have happened uh, where a Twitter question or something like that maybe uh, changes your perspective on life? Absolutely. Well, maybe not on life, but definitely on my rankings. <laughs> um, I've definitely had people. I mean, you know, it's what I've really enjoyed doing uh, the last couple years is on Sundays, like the hour before kickoff, I'm kind of do like a quick, like, ask me anything. And I've gotten like a handful, you know, maybe five questions real quick where people have asked me. And and it actually makes me rethink things right then, like kind of last minute. That's always really fun. Um, But, you know, with the guys that you just said, I'm looking at my own rankings and we'll get into these guys today in the NFC running backs. But uh, for half PBR, I have Aaron Jones kind of a few spots ahead of Barkley and Kamara. Um, And I think... For full for um, full PPR, I would keep Aaron Jones at the top. Like honestly, I think he could be that guy who leads the Packers in receptions with Devontae Adams gone. So, but then I think with with Barkley and Kamara, it's 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 really close. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it's more tough. It's close with Kamara and Jones, and not uh, Barkley and Jones. Because mm. the thing that Barkley lacks to me is. Well, two things. One, a, a decent offense, and two, the trust factor. I just like I just don't trust it. I mean, we yeah. we every year people get excited about Saquon Barkley, and every year he disappoints us. Whereas like Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara have both had multiple elite fantasy seasons. Uh, so that's the thing. I I you know getting asked that question directly just to compare these guys, like put myself in the guy's shoes. What would mm-hmm. I do if I was on the clock? I don't think I could bring myself to take Saquon Barkley over proven commodities like Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones. So for me, it's Kamara and Jones in a tier and then Barkley in in a a lower tier. I think the only thing really keeping Kamara as low as he is, is that potential, you know, six game suspension or something, right? That we, everybody has in the back of their mind that could come late season and everything that we're reading, you know, from the people who know way more than we do about things at hand, you know, the legal things and, you know, things going on are that it's, it's going to be 2023. So I think you almost have to just like, if you put that aside, then yes, I would probably, 
I would put Kamara above Saquon. Um, right now, I have them very close. Um, and I think with that in the back of my mind, it's hard for me to... I think I mentioned this on the previous podcast, but like the first couple rounds, I have a hard time taking Kamara. Third round, I'm like, okay, I can take that risk and whatever, yeah. but yeah. That's kind of how I felt before just the the all the reporting. And it hasn't just been like one article here or there. I mean, it's... Then it was either Schefter or Rappaport that reported it as well, and yeah. uh, it just seems like there's everything we're hearing. It, it it seems unlikely, but again, you're right. I mean, with these legal issues, it's always uh, hard to know for sure because all it takes is one judge or you know one lawyer <laughs> making some sort of decision, and it can change everything overnight. I, um, uh. But. We'll we'll be talking about all three of these situations yeah. in some detail, along with all the other NFC teams. So why don't we hop right in and do it? Let's do it. And let's start uh, in the NFC East. Uh, I mean, we can start with Barkley. Why not? Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned it. I, I the thing is with Barkley, of course, is the injury history. Uh, it just seems to always bite him, uh, and people seem to always be optimistic that this is the year he'll stay healthy. Uh, certainly there's not really any competition in that backfield for him. Uh, I mean, Matt Breida, they brought in, maybe he ends up playing a little more than people expect, but um, it's still going to be a pretty marginal role. I mean, Barkley projects to be one of the higher volume running backs in the league. Uh, But I just, to me, it's the health issue. And it's also just this giants offense. Like they've looked pretty terrible (laughs) in the preseason and they haven't really been a, a great offense in the entire Daniel Jones era. So it's hard to be super optimistic. I know bringing in Brian Dabble was intriguing, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, uh, it's just hard to be super optimistic about Barkley. And I feel like most people in the industry for some reason are. Yeah. And I mean, you look back to his rookie year when he had 121 targets, that's, that's what you want to see, right. For any sort of like PPR or half PPR league. But you know, in 13 games, he had 57 targets last year in that Jason Garrett offense. Um, he only played two games in 2020. You mentioned the the injuries. So, yeah, he's played 13 games in 2021 and 2019. Uh, everyone remembers that rookie year and kind of what he can do and what he did at Penn State. Um, he was the number two overall pick in 2018. So the potential's there. Uh, you know, like I said, I mentioned Saquon when we were talking at the top there. I have him as my number 13 running back. So... I kind of have him, I don't have him as a first round pick. I definitely have him more as like a second round pick. Um, I just, I'm a little scared of that, that, that offense, like you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I don't feel great about it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's not just the games he misses with injuries. I feel like he also is constantly banged up and just, you know, yep. misses parts of games with injuries and things like that. Uh, you mentioned last year. I mean, even in a points per game perspective, he, yeah, he only played 13 games, but points per game. He was the RB33, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's a long way off from where people are ranking him uh, right now. And uh, I don't know. I'm just sort of flabbergasted by it. It's just I I know that, like, he's this elite talent and people were expecting him to be the next superstar running back when he was coming out of college. Uh, but he's not, you know, he's been in the league a while now and. I just I feel like people just are always looking glass half full with him. Yeah, I think you're right. And 3.7 yards per carry last year is, yeah, it's just like he hasn't really been, he hasn't really been great uh, and shown it since in a couple years. So yeah, 
people are looking at him as like he's going to be a three down back like you said there's not a lot of competition matt breda has had trouble staying on the field himself and they don't really have a whole lot of people behind him so yeah it's it's one of those things like and i think we should just go into the cowboys and talk about zeke because he's another guy who for you know jerry jones wants him to be a three down back you know is zeke is going to get the the carries um jerry jones said the offense runs through zeke and people are excited about tony pollard but it's more like people are wish wish casting Tony Pollard to happen, uh, and I don't know. We still might be a year away from that actually happening. Um, I have Zeke kind of in that same area. We talked about him in our per- first podcast on running backs a little bit, just talking strategy. I have Zeke as my RB21, and after that we start getting into people who aren't necessarily these bell cow running backs, but he's, he's one of the last people who I'm kind of confident taking. Um, but again, Tyron Smith, the left tackle, being out for probably the whole year has been moving him, moving him down a little bit. So I had Zeke as my RB18 a couple days ago, and I've been moving him down. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I still have him as my RB16, um, although I haven't uh, updated my rankings uh, fully. We'll be doing that probably early next week. Um, so I'll have to consider that injury and how much that affects things. Um, I mean, I'm not generally a guy who's known for being high on Zeke at this stage of his career. I mean, I was kind of down on him last season and uh i i'm not i don't consider myself particularly optimistic about him this year either i just think uh it's gonna be there's gonna be a, a lot of volume there it seems like and it should still be i don't know maybe maybe i'm just convincing myself of this but i still feel like the cowboys are gonna find a way to have a pretty decent offense so i'm expecting a lot of red zone opportunities mm-hmm. for zeke um you know, I really like Tony Pollard. I think he's, I think he's a really talented player, and I also do think that um, this could be a situation sort of like what we'll talk about with um, Aaron Jones, who we already were talking about before. But um, you know, these teams when they lose talent at wide receiver, sometimes they just have to feature their best playmakers, whatever position they might be. And if they're a running back who can catch the football then get them in situations where they can catch the football, you know? And I think Tony Pollard is, a, he's kind of been like a luxury for them the last couple of years, but they might actually need him more this season uh, with Amari Cooper gone with Michael Gallup uh, coming off a, a major injury. So I could see similar to the, the Packers, both of these running backs being uh, weekly starts. Um, you know, I think that Zeke is, an RB two at this stage of his career, not an RB one. And I think Pollard, I have him ranked as like a uh, mid RB three, I guess. Um, yeah. In full PPR, I might bump him up a little bit, but uh, I really like drafting Pollard. I like the idea of drafting Pollard because I think Zeke, I I believe Zeke is in decline, and I think if he's not getting the job done, I could see them transitioning to featuring Pollard even more in the second half of the season, despite what Jerry Jones might want. You know. Um, so that's that's the thing. And I also obviously think the handcuff value for Pollard is enormous. Mm-hmm. Like if Zeke got hurt, Pollard would be an RB1. So, oh, yeah. um, so I really like the idea of drafting Pollard. I think he's generally a pretty good value. Um, Zeke is a decent value too because at this point, people seem to not be as into him anymore. The ageism has outweighed the sort of name value and name recognition uh aspect i think a little bit yeah uh you mentioned like both of the both both guys being relevant and uh i'll just point out too like 
Dallas defense was really good last year. They were the number one fantasy defense according to a lot of uh, you know scoring systems. So if they're if they're keeping them in games, like they could absolutely run more uh, and feature both backs. So you know talking about Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon uh, might be a good comp there. Uh, I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know that Pollard is like a good value anymore though. I feel like he's going up. I think Zeke is becoming a value. Like he was more like a third round pick, and I feel like he's fallen to more of like a fourth round pick. I think he's definitely a value there. Pollard is, uh, I think his ADP is kind of like, well, I guess he's in the 80s. So, like, he's sort of in that RB dead zone. So, yeah, you're probably right. He is I a value. I think Pollard's a great value in the yeah. 80s. Like, a really great, I would yep. consider taking him in the in the 50s or 60s, I think. And, and Elliot, now that I look at it, I actually don't think he's a tremendous value. He's, <laughs> his ADP's, uh, according to Fantasy Pros, half PPR is 28. So, oh. um, yeah, I mean, that's... I don't know. That's about as high as I would consider him. I, I don't hate taking him there, but that's like on the higher end of, of where I would want to take him. Well, they flipped for me then because like Zeke, I had him as more of like a higher end third round pick and I've moved him down. So I've actually moved him down to my overall 45. So when we update our rankings, like that, that's what it'll be on rosrankings.com. So he's more of like a late fourth round pick for me. So yeah. Um, yeah, they've kind of flipped for me. So maybe maybe Pollard is a little bit of a value going yeah, there. Yeah, I think, I think he absolutely is. I mean, usually the backup running back if they're both going to play a fair amount and they're right. a good offense like i like that's the kind of player i like drafting so i will definitely be targeting tony pollard if i can't get say like aj dillon <laughs> yeah um so let's move on to the uh philadelphia eagles and you know this is a team that has been frustrating in terms of their running back production for uh, several years running now including um the beginning of the Nick Sirianni era. So it's hard to know exactly what to expect or how optimistic to be. I mean, Miles Sanders is a guy that I feel like is often overvalued in fantasy because he's like atop the depth chart and people feel like he's talented. Um, but if you look at like how he actually performs, it's usually it's usually not that impressive, right? I mean, <laughs> last year he was the RB 42 in points per game and half PPR. Um, so I mean, he only played 12 games, but that's that point per game number is, it's not very impressive. Um, these Penn it just State seems guys, like this man. team, what's that? These Penn state guys, man. I know. Right. <laughs> well, I'm a Michigan guy, so maybe I'm biased, but, uh, I, you know, I just, I just feel like that, you know, it, it used to be everyone blamed Doug Peterson for this, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the running backs, you know? <laughs> and I feel like now with, uh, with Kenneth Gainwell in the picture, um, you know, coming into his second year, I it seems like they're going to, you know, get him a little more involved as a pass catcher this season, um, which maybe limits Miles Sanders' upside even more. Boston Scott's another guy that always just seems to find his way into the picture at some point in the season. Yep. If it's not week one, it will be week five. But at some point, you know, Boston Scott's going to have that two-touchdown game out of nowhere. <laughs> and uh it's just gonna. It seems like it's just gonna be another frustrating year to uh, roster Philadelphia running backs. Do you agree? Yeah, they'll re-sign Jordan Howard. You know, <laughs> like they'll bring yeah. him back. Oh. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I have I have Miles Sanders pretty far down. Um, you mentioned Boston Scott. Like, he's down at like RB sixty three. I have uh, going back to Miles Sanders. Like, he's firmly in that RB dead zone. He's my RB twenty seven. But I keep moving him down. Like, I keep putting guys like Damian Pierce and Clyde Edwards Hilaire above him um guys who we talked about on the afc uh podcast like i don't know i just i feel like i just keep worrying about like you mentioned kenneth gainwell like 
I feel like he'll get a bigger role. Like, you know, just splitting time. I just don't believe in Miles Sanders. Even Miles Sanders said, like, don't draft me in fantasy. We heard that, like, right. three or four weeks ago. Like, right. nah, like, don't draft me in fantasy. Don't even worry about it. Like, now that was just, like, a comment that he made, whatever. But still, that's he hasn't, he's just not that good for fantasy, maybe. And I just, I don't really believe in him. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to tweak my rankings a little bit more this week at the running back position. I I have him at 29 right now, and I I agree. I feel like he should maybe be a little lower. Like I'm going to move Chase Edmonds ahead of him. I think. Um, yeah. I will move Damian Pierce ahead of him for sure. Uh, I I'm I think I'm going to move Tony Pollard ahead of him, honestly, uh, <laughs> and Kareem Hunt. Some of these guys that are yeah you know in in a committee but are just talented players and in good offenses like. I don't know if, you know, I feel like Miles Sanders is the classic player that gets overrated because he's like the quote-unquote RB1 on his team, you know? Yeah, honestly. Um, and there's a long way away from being the RB1 on the Eagles and being an RB1 in fantasy. Yeah, and both guys we talked about for the Patriots, Harris and Stevenson, like, I, I might put both of them above him. Honestly, that, that's sort of the cutoff, but like... I, I actually put... already have both of them above him. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're... We're talking about guys sort of in that dead zone where it's hard to draft. But, yeah, I already moved Chase Edmonds up uh, after our AFC running back podcast. I already moved him up like five spots ahead of Miles Sanders. But this is the area we're talking about here. But, yeah. Yeah, um, the guy that Sanders kind of reminds me of is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Because, yeah. like, he's technically the RB1. But it, it's going to be some kind of committee with three different backs getting involved. And he's just been kind of... He was a high prospect. There's a lot expected from him, but he's just kind of underwhelmed, just like CEH has, you know. So, uh, granted, you know, the Chiefs are a better offense. Um, the Eagles aren't bad, but, um, you know, the, the Eagles are trying to be this year what the Chiefs <laughs> have always been. So, for that reason, I still have CEH a couple spots ahead of Sanders, but to me, they're very similar. So, I know, I feel like we've been bearing the lead a little bit here. Um, I was a Washington fan for a while. So I might I have a little bit of bias here, but I feel like one of the bigger stories here of the preseason is Antonio Gibson, right? And he was he's now returning punts. He's on special teams. Um, Brian Robinson is flying up draft boards, uh, fantasy draft boards. Um, and I haven't moved Brian Robinson above Adrian uh, Adrian Peterson um, above <laughs> Antonio Gibson yet, but it's it's getting closer. Um, I've moved Antonio Gibson down to my RB thirty four. And by the time people are listening to this, he might be like my RB40. I don't know. I just keep moving him down. Where do you have Antonio Gibson? And like, kind of what are your thoughts on the Washington Commanders running back situation? Uh, my thoughts are, I think it's going to be a mess. I, I have actually, right now, this is subject to change. But I right now have Robinson, J.D. McKissick, and Antonio Gibson back to back to back at RB's. <laughs> 45 through 47. So they're all basically guys I'm not going to be drafting. Um, you know, apparently Antonio Gibson is now going to be the, the team's kick starting kick returner, uh, which is not generally a, a job that you give to your number one running back. So uh, I was already worried about Antonio Gibson even before all this, you know, the last month and a half of mm. um, sour reports uh, because when they drafted Brian Robinson, I just looked at Antonio Gibson's production and it wasn't that good. I mean, he just wasn't a very efficient player. He had volume and, you know, but um, he, what his yards per carry was poor. Hmm. Um, and they spent a de decent draft capital on Robinson, who was a pretty impressive prospect in my opinion. So uh, coming into the season, I already was worried that um, Robinson was going to be like the, the goal line guy. 
because uh, I just think he brings a physical presence that they maybe thought they weren't getting out of Gibson. So I thought Gibson was going to be like the between the 20s guy and Robinson was going to be the goal line guy. And then McKissick, of course, gets all the passing down work. So it was already a, a kind of a void for me. But now it just seems like Robinson could be, get even more work than I was anticipating. So not just the goal line, but actually uh, a fair amount of just the early down work in general. Um so I think I, I do – I mean, I do have him a couple spots out of Gibson. I would take him before Gibson. Um, but this is going to be a three-way committee on a team that I don't think is going to have a very good offense. So, like, I'm just generally not not that excited about this situation. I mean, maybe – it wouldn't surprise me at all if McKissick ends up being the most valuable of these three guys in PPR or even half PPR. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out, right? Because – it's almost like I could see Antonio Gibson taking the J.D. McKissick role, but yet Washington brought back McKissick, you know? Like, they love they, McKissick. They do. They So, like, he's going to have a role. Um, and, yeah, like, you mentioned where you have Brian Robinson and J.D. McKissick. I have Brian Robinson right now, RB44, J.D. McKissick, RB47. So, right where you have him, I just haven't moved Gibson down as much. Well, where do you have Gibson? Yeah, like I, I have him as like RB thirty four. So I have him. I just haven't moved him down ten spots where you've where you've moved him. You know, like right? I just don't know if are. Washington's gonna produce that much fantasy value where they have an R, you know, an RB three and two RB fours. I don't know. It's just yeah. like it's and, just gonna be gross. Yeah, and my and my worry, like as I, as we're talking through it, like if Brian Robinson is the goal line back, like I mean, Gibson had eleven touchdowns as a rookie. He had seven rushing touchdowns last year, three receiving. So double-digit touchdowns in back-to-back years. But, like, if Robinson is getting those goal line carries, that's a big part of Antonio Gibson's value. So, yeah, I, I'm going to keep moving him down. Um, by the time the season starts, Gibson might be closer to, like, my RB40. I'm, I'm, I'm worried of that. But, yeah, he's, just, he's not there yet for me, but I'm, I keep moving him down. I just find it hard to believe that I'll end up with any of these guys in a draft. I, yeah. You know, I feel like in full PPR, I could see myself taking McKissick late. <laughs> you know, but that's yeah. that's about it. I just, I mean, I like Robinson. Um, I'd be excited if I had him in Dynasty, but for 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 redraft, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Gibson's going to completely go away. You know? Yeah, I don't know either. Well, let's let's move on. Let's go to a different division. Where do you want to go next? Well, let's go to a much much more exciting offense: the Bears, <laughs> <laughs> NFC North, baby. Oh yeah, uh, the Bears. Yeah, I, you know. This is another situation where it's a bad offense. Um, it's another, you know, David Montgomery, I, I'm i higher on him than Antonio Gibson, but I, I think some of the same dynamics are at play here. It seems like they, uh, they're looking for reasons to give him a little less work than they have in the past, and maybe Khalil Herbert gets a bit more. They also drafted uh, Trusted Ebner, who seems like, he could be a factor in the passing game. Mm-hmm. So this could be another kind of three-guy committee on a bad offense. Um, I mean, I don't think Ebner is going to get nearly as big a role as, say, McKissick will. So I'm still, like, willing to draft a Montgomery or a Herbert. I'm, I'm probably more likely to end up with Herbert, though, just based on the relative value. Like, I think probably the market, especially if you're in your home league, like, people are probably expecting a repeat from David Montgomery. Uh, whereas I think it's going to be, uh, he'll still be the lead back, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people realize between him and Herbert. Well, I still haven't moved David Montgomery down that much. Like I, I'll, uh, I'll have a dissenting opinion here. I have David Montgomery as my RB 19 right now. 
So I, I just yeah, I have him RB twenty five. So it's okay. not like a huge difference, but that could be the difference between yeah. being able to draft him or not. Yeah, I mean, like I just I still see him as that like not quite in the RB dead zone, right? Like I I still see him as that running back who's going to get a lot of the work. Khalil Herbert, we saw him get a lot of touches last year when Montgomery was hurt, but like when they're both on the field together, I still feel like Montgomery's going to be the guy. Um, so where do you have Herbert ranked? Uh, let's see. Um, Herbert, yeah, I don't have him. I don't think I have him ranked that high. RB fifty. So I've, I've and you heard... have him in Dynasty, don't you? In our league, I do. And in Dynasty, I, I love think you him. You should be... trade him to me. No, in Dynasty, oh. I love him because Montgomery's on the last year of his contract, and I oh, think Khalil I Herbert will be doing great next year. But okay. this year, I don't know. Um, for redraft, I just I like Montgomery. Uh, uh, the 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 rookie you were talking about um, was it Ebner? Ebner, yeah. Yeah. I think saw, saw in, in our dynasty league someone picked him up too. Was that you? It was not me. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I I generally am not huge. I mean, that league's half PPR. Yeah, uh, I think it needs to be full PPR for guys like him to <laughs> yeah. really get that interesting. And um, I just don't I don't see a huge amount of long term upside necessarily. But he could become. I th- I think I saw someone on Twitter today compare him to um, Duke Johnson. So I could see a Duke Johnson like career for uh trust in ebner that's not something that you're going to do cartwheels over but uh <laughs> you know it is a player that could be in the league for you know five or six years and have have some decent games here and there but for dynasty like i think both of those guys are interesting i just like montgomery for redraft i still like him as like an rb2 and khalil herbert and ebner for dynasty i love them too uh moving forward um because i think montgomery will be somewhere else next year and i think you'd have both of those guys uh, assuming the Bears, you know, they have a new regime, a lot, of, a lot of new players. As long as they don't like draft a running back in the first couple rounds, I could see both those guys having a lot of value next year. So I like both. But I like both Herbert and Ebner for dynasty. Yeah, I mean, there have been some reports though that like, you know, there could be more of a timeshare between Montgomery and Herbert. And uh, yeah, you know, the new offensive coordinator for the Bears is Luke Getzey, who comes over from the Packers, who are a team that have often deployed two running backs True. so um it just seems like reading the tea leaves i i don't know maybe maybe you're right maybe it is just like last season but uh it's a different coaching staff you know so i i think it's going to be a different uh divvying up of of the workload in chicago this year and i think that's gonna uh hurt montgomery a little bit and it's gonna help herbert a little bit and then you also just have to factor in i mean Maybe Justin Fields puts it all together this year, but the odds are certainly stacked against him with the like lack of weapons that they've given him in the passing game. So uh, I think the Bears are going to be bad. I think um, they're going to have trouble just running the ball a ton in games. You know, they're going to have a lot of negative game script, and uh, yeah. I think that that means if you know Montgomery can't really afford to lose a lot of volume. Well, let's let's talk about those Packers. Let's go over there, uh, stand in the division, and talk about like we mentioned Aaron Jones. I said he could be the answer to who has the most receptions uh, for the Packers this year. We we've done a lot of wide receiver talk, but it actually could be Aaron Jones. Um, I have him as a top ten running back. I have him firmly as a number like a second round pick, and then I have AJ Dillon. You know, as my RB. Let's see, I have him as like my overall. No, like 43 RB 20. So again, like he's, he's up there too, but I will say this, like last Saturday when I did my home league draft, I ended up drafting uh, Aaron Jones. And after that, like I didn't even really consider 
drafting AJ Dillon because I don't want to have both of those guys on my team. I could see both of them being fantasy relevant, but like when you're in a draft, it's hard. Like I actually had that chance to like take AJ Dillon in that area, but I was like, nah, I don't want to have both these guys. Like, hmm. what do you think about that? Like, maybe talk about like the Packers running backs, what how you think both of them could be, and like would you actually roster both of them on the same fantasy team? I'd be happy to, yeah. I mean, you know, it's one thing if you're playing like DFS or something and you're in some huge tournament and you need like a massive, massive number to win. Uh in that situation, I'm not sure I'd want both Packer running backs because I think it just limits your upside. But right. um in a standard twelve team league, uh n- not standard, you know, a normal yeah. twelve team league, um I think, yeah. I mean, I think Aaron Jones is like a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. I think A.J. Dillon is, a, I, you know, a low-end RB2. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I just, I don't, I look at it as like they can coexist, especially now that Devontae Adams is gone and Aaron Jones is just going to have to be more involved in the passing game. I think that leaves more rushing work for Dillon more goal line work for Dylan. Uh, so I really see I really see a, an opportunity for both of them to be really good. And uh, I just don't, I don't really concern myself about that in a, in a, a typical redraft league. Like I, uh, you know, it's, if one of them gets hurt, at least you have the other and they get a huge boost in value too. So it's kind of like you're killing two birds with one stone. You're, you have two <laughs> good plays every week, but you also have it. You're also doing the handcuffing thing without having to devote, a separate roster spot to a player that has no value unless the starter gets hurt, you know? Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't mind it at all. Um, I, I will say that uh, you said you had Jones at RB 10. Is that right? Yeah. And you have Dylan at RB 20. Yep. Okay. So that's pretty bullish. Um, I'm a little lower on both of them than you. I have okay. Jones at RB 14 and Dylan at RB 23. So I like them both a lot, but um I, it's just hard. It's it's just hard to have uh, two top twenty running backs. Basically, um, it's not impossible, but um, I just think they're going to be both really like weekly starters, but maybe not like elite options. You know? Yeah, and I guess that's why it's tough. Like that's why I asked the question. It's like it's weird to if you were to draft both of them, it's weird to like start both of them. You know what I mean? Like if you're the, if someone drafts Aaron Jones like I did in that league, and then my buddy comes in and swoops in and takes AJ Dillon. Like I kind of like being that guy who takes either or, but having both just feels kind of weird, even though like I agree with you, both can have value, but it just feels weird drafting both of them. So once Mm -hmm. I drafted Aaron Jones, I was just sort of like, eh, I don't think I'm going to draft AJ Dillon, even though I'm ranking them both as top 20 running backs. And I think they both could be, um, especially with the unknowns around, like I could see Aaron Rodgers having, a fine year like we've seen Aaron Rodgers be an MVP and have like 4,000 yards 40 touchdowns but we've also seen him have like 4,000 yards and like 23 touchdowns you know and so I could see LaFleur I mean LaFleur called them the 1A and 1A like these might be the (laughs) these might be the guys who just run the offense um and Aaron Rodgers just sort of like does his thing and he's efficient and all that and and these guys are both really good but I have a hard time doing it drafting both of them but anyway yeah I mean (laughs) You know, you're actually like with consensus on Jones. He's RB10 uh, at ADP. Um, and I'm at consensus with Dylan. He's at RB23 at ADP. So we're both like in the ballpark with these yeah. guys. Um, it's just for Jones, I just have him a little lower just because, like I said, I I think Dylan might 
get more of the red zone work than Jones does. Um, right. And uh, more of the like late game grind out the clock work too between the tackles bruiser stuff. And there could be quite a lot of that <laughs> because uh, you just look at this division. I mean, they're going to get to play the Bears twice, the Lions twice. I mean, Minnesota is a good team, I guess, but not a very good defense. So I, I still would think they could they could take the Vikings as well. It could be a lot of um, opportunities for them. And and we know, of course, that the weather gets bad in Green Bay, and they, there's just sort of a movement towards running the ball more in the second half of the year anyway. So um, I don't know. I, I really like Dylan. I, I feel like um, just looking at the ADP, I'm not sure either of them is like a screaming value, but uh, I just have trouble taking Jones ahead of um, some guys like – so like Javante Williams, for example. I, I mean – I just think Javante Williams is also going to be in a really good offense. And I, I think he, he will be in a committee at the beginning of the year too, but I could see a, a, a scenario where he just kind of grabs that committee by the horns and it's, mm-hmm. it's gone by the end of the year. And he's, he's really the main guy, you know, and I just don't see that scenario with Aaron Jones happening. Um, AJ Dillon's not going away like yeah. uh, Melvin Gordon could. So to me, that's the difference, but it's nitpicking really like, same tier and guys I'd be happy to have on my team. Well, let's go over to the Vikings. You mentioned them. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I, I drafted him as well. I have, I have a couple of AFC North running backs in that league I was just talking about. Um, I drafted Dalvin Cook. Uh, I have him as my RB4. Um, really that top five. We talked about it last time. Like uh, Dalvin Cook is in there with Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry. I think we both agree. I think you have them in one tier. I have them in two. But like they're all kind of lumped in there. Those guys are right there in your top half of your first round. But Alexander Madison, I have him as my RB55. And I just feel like, I don't know, every year I feel like people overdraft Alexander Madison because they just assume he's going to be that guy who steps in. And if, if if Dalvin Cook gets hurt, which he has gotten hurt before, um, like just steps in and does well. But I don't know. Like I just, I'm not about Alexander Madison. Um, I don't know. I just have him lower than consensus. I'm just not, I would rather draft a different, uh, like RB, like a, a, a backup running back than Alexander Madison. I'm just, I'm over him. What do you, what do you think about him or Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I mean Alexander Madison is pure lottery ticket. You know, um, it, it's one of those things where I feel like there's a difference between how you might approach it in a in your draft versus like in in the accuracy competition of fantasy pros because. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to predict. It's just hard to predict how many games Alexander Madison will play uh, where Dalvin Cook is out. And that's that's really all it is. I mean, if Dalvin Cook doesn't get hurt all season, Alexander Madison will do nothing. And if <laughs> yeah. Dalvin Cook, you know, tears his ACL in week one, Alexander Madison could be the number one overall running back, you know? Like, that is the, 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 the spectrum of possible outcomes. But... The, the most likely scenario is that Dalvin Cook plays most of the season and maybe you get two or three games somewhere during the year where Alexander Madison's a top 10 running back. Um, and I agree. I mean, I just don't think that's that compelling a player to draft. Um, you know, it's it's just a pure lottery ticket. Like, I would definitely draft him at some point in my draft uh, just because I like to load up my bench with, like, lottery tickets that have a ton of upside and I but I'm not gonna have a lot of allegiance to it you know what I mean like if there's somebody else I that looks like they're uh taking over a job or something like that I'm gonna (laughs) gladly drop Alexander Madison to get that player so um 
and and though you know it comes down to ADP, I guess. Like there will be some other lottery tickets that might be cheaper than Alexander Madison, just because he has been that that lottery ticket that's actually paid off a few times in the past. So like mm-hmm. that's in people in the back of people's heads, whereas like it might not be for um, some other running backs. So for that reason, yeah, I mean he's certainly draftable in a twelve team league for me, but he's not like a priority player to get. And um, I don't know it it. it you know, if I have Cook, like I'd ideally like to have Madison. He's one of the few handcuffs that I feel like it's, he's clearly the backup. We know he can be really good if he's given the opportunity. So, like that's an oppor- that's a situation where I think handcuffing does make sense because a lot of the problem with handcuffing is that you you handcuff the wrong guy, you know, and uh, or or that the guy that steps in can't do it. But we know that Madison can do it, and we know he's the backup. So, um, so I I would draft him. <laughs> okay yeah I, yeah I guess like as things stand now yeah i guess so like we've seen ty chandler the rookie be okay in preseason madison seems like a guy who i could almost see like them trading a, a a late round pick for or even like a surprise cut here in the next week but i mean we'll see um if if if, it, if, if a week from now you know after the 53 man rosters and madison's on the team i think you're right like he is the the direct backup and there is something to be said for that, but I don't know. Like, I just I feel like when he's got when he got the chance last year, like he was okay, um, but not great. But I have to go back. Maybe I have to go back and check the tape on Alexander Madison. Yeah, and the other thing I want to say about Dalvin Cook is like, I don't think like I feel like I'm I'm above consensus on Dalvin Cook, but um, it doesn't show up so much in like the RB rankings as it does in like the overall rankings because. I just think Dalvin Cook is is a beast, and I think he's going to have a huge season. And I would take him over uh, players at other positions. Like I would take him over Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take him over Justin Jefferson. I would take him over Travis Kelsey, who I love, and we'll <laughs> talk about in the tight end preview. And I'm much higher than most people on Travis Kelsey uh, this season, but I would still take Dalvin Cook over him. Um, I, and I feel the same way about Derrick Henry. It's like these two guys to me are. They're right knocking on the door with McCaffrey and Taylor. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if either Henry or Cook outscored McCaffrey or Taylor. Um, So that's why, you know, we talked about you have two separate tiers. I have them in the same tier. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, I feel like I'm kind of like a Dalvin Cook stan. But Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't show up so much in my RB rankings. I mean, I have them as the RB4. So it's just kind of pretty much where everyone has them for the most part. Well, I'm starting to come around. Like I'm, I've been looking at my overall, and as I do a couple drafts here and there, I start to see where people go and where I can get people. And I'm like, I'm starting to come around a little bit on the idea of like these five guys being grouped together. But I think there's a clear top two of Taylor and McCaffrey. But then Eckler, Cook, Henry, I kind of have like as a separate tier. And yet I'm thinking I'm going to move them above Jefferson and Cup just because that top half of the first round. And this is important. For a lot of, I mean, most people do snake drafts, right? And if you right. have a top six pick, like that, that, that's very important. So, yeah, I'm starting to come around on that and just like say, you know what, Cup, Jefferson, whichever one, maybe just hold off on them till the second half of the first round. So, yeah, especially if it's half PPR, not full PPR, I think it's even, yep, even clearer to do that. Yep. All, All right. right. So moving on to the uh, Lions, yep. the only team we haven't talked about in this division yet. I mean, I'm super excited about DeAndre Swift. I really am. I Me think, too. Uh, I, I have him as my RB6. Nice. Um, so I, I, I would say that's that's got to be above consensus, right? I mean, yeah. 
He's my RB9, but I think, yeah, I think you're probably above consensus a little bit for sure. Yeah, I mean, I could just see, like, a massive season for him. Um, you know, I think he might have had that season last year if um, if some injuries didn't get in the way. Um, but, like, it's just, you know, with the Lions, it's kind of the game script will often play to his benefit. And he's one of these guys that can really do anything. I know they love Jamal Williams, and I'm not – like, my ranking of, of DeAndre Swift is not premised on, like, Jamal Williams getting, like – taken out of the offense I don't think that's going to happen but um I don't think Swift needs he's he's such a dynamic player he's not the kind of guy that needs huge volume to put up huge fantasy stats he's not Najee Harris you know what I mean mm-hmm. like he's like Camara. <laughs> that's what he's like or Eckler yeah. you know these guys that can can put up those huge numbers on limited touches because they're so efficient and they can you know take it to the house at any time um, they can do everything. They can run between the tackles if called upon to do it. Um, but they're great pass catchers, great in, in open space. And uh, so, yeah, I think Swift is going to – I think this is the year where he, he's going to have that that true breakthrough. Yeah, I think Jamal Williams will still be a part of the offense, maybe 30% or so, and get a lot of carries, get a lot of rushing yards. Uh, but, yeah, Swift is primed for a breakout. Uh, we mentioned this the other day, but, like, I haven't been watching Hard Knocks. I need to get HBO so I can catch up. And I think, I'm guessing Swift will get a hard knocks bump. But you never know. Like, some of these guys don't even get featured. Um, so sometimes you can get, you can still get one of these guys, even though they don't get, like, the hard knocks bump because everyone sees what they're doing. I did see Swift have a nice touchdown in preseason the other day. So mm-hmm. that might, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who typically goes at the end of the first round, um, somewhere in there, end of the first. Sometimes, if you can get him at the beginning of the second, great. But yeah, I'm with you on Swift. And Jamal Williams is, like, a much deeper uh stash but yeah like if swift runs into any injuries like i don't really see who's behind him so like i, I like jamal williams to well i do really like craig reynolds uh <laughs> yeah. i i think he's a really talented player actually i just um like some of the advanced metrics last year for him were like off the charts uh um, okay but it was limited opportunities obviously <laughs> yeah. so but I, I don't know i sort of feel like if swift got hurt that it would that reynolds would step into a pretty significant role like i don't think that jamal williams is going to be like a bell cow at this stage of his career but right um but i do think he would obviously get a big value bump so he does have some some handcuff appeal behind uh swift and you know he also has a bit of rb3 flex value as well like you know it kind of depends on the matchup like they'd have to have a really soft matchup for me to really want to play jamal williams when when deandre swift is, is healthy but it, he's at least in that conversation you know um and, like, especially in a deeper league, if you play in a deeper league, like, I could see being okay starting Jamal Williams, and then he also, you know, has that handcuff value as well. Yeah. All right, so let's go over to the NFC South. Uh, maybe let's start with the – let's start with the Saints and talk about uh, Kamara, who we've already talked about. I mean, this is a guy who we've seen be – like, he was a top 10 running back last year in just 13 games. <laughs> um, I mean – if he didn't have the potential suspension hanging over him, I think we'd all be talking about him as a first round pick. And yet here he is as like a second round pick. Um, I keep moving him up. Um, he's now my RB 14, but I could easily get him. You have him a little bit higher, don't you? Where do you have Kamara? Yeah, I have him at RB 11. Right yeah. Now. And it's like close. I mean, I have him right behind Fournette and Connor who I like a lot mm-hmm. too, but I could easily see my myself switching him with those guys just because I think maybe he has. He does have the legal ish risk, but he doesn't 
have as much injury risk maybe as those guys. Yeah, if he plays 16 games, I mean, I think this is a steal in the second round. Uh, so I think Kamara, and you know, we've talked about Mark Ingram before. Um, when we talked about Mark Ingram a month ago, we were talking about him as a guy who you could take as a, you know, kind of a security blanket for Kamara if he got suspended for the first six games. But now that's not looking like it's going to happen. Um, but still, like, we Ingram, you know, he's still hanging in there. We've seen him be productive. Um, I don't know. I don't know that now that Kamara's legal issue potentially is not even going to happen this year if Ingram is as good of, like, a, a handcuff or if he'll have any value without him. Uh, he's pretty far down for me. What about you with Ingram? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, there's no doubt that, like, you know, the, the, the recent news about Kamara likely playing the full season has um, reduced my enthusiasm for drafting Ingram. But, uh, at, you know, because he's also older and, like, there's questions about how much gas he still has in the tank anyway. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I still think he's going to play a role. I mean, Kamara, there have been times where Kamara has been, like, a, a massive bell cow back, but it's mostly been when, when Ingram or Latavius Murray before him were out, you know, it, mm-hmm. when, when, the, when that experienced backup is there, I feel like they try to keep uh, Kamara fresh by not overworking him. So I think there'll be some carries uh, for Ingram. It's probably not enough. It's, it's going to be kind of like Jamal Williams, where it's probably not enough that you're going to want to have him in your starting lineup in a 12 team league. Um, but he also does have, have that handcuff value as well. So like he's the kind of player you can draft. Um, but it's not, it's not like it was before where it felt like he could be a huge sleeper because of the Camara uh, situation. Yeah. And, um, I will also add real quick, you know, I know you were saying, um, the legal issues were the main pe- reason people have been fading Camara, but I feel like you also sometimes hear the argument that like Sean Payton's gone. Sure. And that's a reason to fade Camara. And I don't really buy that one at all because, uh, Pete Carmichael is uh, still running the offense there, and uh, he's been he's been running that offense, um, you know, under Peyton's supervision for over a decade. So I don't think this offense is changing in any meaningful way, and I think Kamara is still going to be put in positions to do the things he has been so successful at doing in the past. You know, I'm bullish on Jameis Winston in the passing game as well. So I expect the Saints to be a pretty good offense, better than they were last season. Um, and for that reason, I, you know, I do think Kamara can still be really valuable. Well, you mentioned Mark Ingram, uh, in the same breath as Jamal Williams. I have them both ranked in my RB 50 to 53 range. So they're right in that same tier with me with guys like, I don't know, uh, Marlon Mack, uh, <laughs> Alexander mm-hmm. Madison guys who we just talked about. So not, I mean, we're getting deep here, uh, with guys who you don't necessarily need to draft in like a standard league, but. As you get to, toward the end of your draft, if you're looking at handcuffs, they can be valuable. Exactly. All right. Um, let's go. You mentioned the Bucks. You mentioned Leonard Fournette right in the right. same area. Uh, maybe we should go there. I mean, I, I like Leonard Fournette a lot. They drafted Rashad White. I, 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 in our Dynasty League, Like I have Leonard Fournette. I actually picked up Keyshawn Vaughn because I looked at him as like the potential backup. And I don't know. Like I don't know what's going to happen with Rashad White. Like I still believe that... like. Keyshawn Vaughn's been around a little bit longer. Tom Brady, you know, if you can pass block, maybe you can be in there. And if Rashad White as a rookie, like, I just, I worry that he has a lot of redraft value. Um, so I think that, like, I don't know. He, he's he's going really late. I mean, uh, Fournette is a guy who you can draft, like, in, like, round two. And I think that's probably where you should get him. I think 
the key message here is like, I love Fournette. The other guys, I don't really know. I wouldn't really draft like Rashad White or Keyshawn Vaughn late in a redraft. Would you? I don't know who's the guy. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I would be more likely to draft White than, than Vaughn, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, the the other complicated thing is what's what's the status of Gio Bernard? Is he get is he sure. healthy? Is he going to make the team? Yep. Um, because if he does make the team and is active, I think that that really eliminates the possibility of Rashad White having a immediate role based on pass passing down situations. Um, right. It also might limit Fournette's upside a little bit, but not that much, I don't think. I mean, I, I'm not really expecting Fournette to, like, be a huge factor in the passing game. Um, but I think he'll, he he won't be a nothing there. Um, and I think he can just put up huge rushing numbers and uh, just a lot of touchdowns. Like, I think he's a very good bet for double-digit touch, rushing touchdowns. Um, so I have no problem with Fournette as an RB1, like a low-end RB1. Um I, I mostly agree with what you said about the backups. I, you know, White is kind of like a lottery ticket to me. Um, it's just like it's kind of a different type of lottery ticket than an Alexander Madison because it's you don't know for sure that he uh, is going to get a huge opportunity if if Fournette gets hurt. But he also has a path to value that doesn't involve Fournette getting hurt. So um, for that reason, I do I do see him as like a late round lotto ticket kind of a thing but uh vaughn is not a guy i'll be drafting and and neither is geo bernard you mentioned fournette and the receptions though like if you look at last year like he had a lot of receptions a lot of targets toward the end i mean i'm looking at his game log last year uh his last few games here are his targets nine six eight eight seven seven and then nine in the playoffs against the rams like he had a lot of targets like he was getting the volume um now with everyone healthy starting the season, if Rashad White's in the mix, even and Keyshawn Vaughn and Bernard and other guys, like yeah, he might not get all those uh, those reps and those receptions. But Fournette, it, you know, he was getting a lot of targets from Brady. So yeah, there's just been there's been a lot of criticism of Fournette as a uh, pass catcher that he doesn't run the right uh, route and that he <laughs> drops a lot of passes. Um, so it does seem to me like there's. You know, if there's smoke, there's fire. Like it seems like the Bucks would like somebody else to step up, right, as the pass catching back, um, okay. rather than relying on him as like an every down, three down bell cow back. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't think he necessarily needs to have the same level of receiving work they did last year uh, to still be really valuable in fantasy again. All right, talking about an every down uh, bell cow back. Let's talk about Christian McCaffrey. I think this could be really quick. <laughs> He is either your first or second pick of, the, of your draft. You know, Jonathan Taylor is the other. And to be honest, like, when you're looking at his backup, I mean, Dante Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, I don't know who's the backup. I don't think I would draft either. I don't, you know, so I think it's if you have a top two or three pick and McCaffrey falls to you, don't be afraid to take him because when he's healthy, he's great. And the other guys, I wouldn't even draft him. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I have McCaffrey as my number one player ahead of Taylor. Um, and I think it's because I believe that injuries are not as predictable as people think they are. Uh, I don't think that Christian McCaffrey is like three or four times more likely to get injured than Jonathan <laughs> Taylor is. <laughs> I just yeah. don't believe that. So if you don't believe that, who's the guy that's 
more likely to be the most valuable player when when they're healthy and I think it has to be McCaffrey I just you just look at what this guy is able to do um, in terms of both a rusher and a pass catcher a true three down every down back that the entire offense runs through an offense that should be a little bit better this year with Baker Mayfield than they were with Sam Darnold sorry Sam I know you just got hurt I hope you make a quick recovery there but um yeah, I, I I mean I just think McCaffrey is he's like the kind of player that we used to see in fantasy like um, th- these guys that could actually have like a hundred yards rushing and a hundred yards receiving in the same game you know uh, and you just don't see players like that anymore he's really the only one there is still so uh, he's my number one player uh, as far as the backup goes like I, I agree it's it's not clear I, it seems to me like Foreman right now seems to have the edge but. Uh, I don't think it's it's one of those situations where I wouldn't necessarily draft either of them, but like I would look at the snap counts in week one, mm-hmm. and I yep. might pick up whichever guy is the clear backup uh, because I, it is another one of these lottery ticket situations that I think you have to um, keep an eye on in, in fantasy. I think that's a good call. Like, see what happens in week one because I don't think anyone's really like these guys. ADP is they're they're really low, so don't worry about it. But yeah, like maybe pick them up in the, after week one and see what's happening. Um, let's get into, uh, let's see Falcons. the Falcons. Yeah. This is, this one's pretty interesting to me. I mean, these others are not quite as interesting, but I think the Falcons maybe could be, um, mainly because I think Tyler Algier as a rookie could be interesting. This is a guy at BYU had 23 rushing touchdowns last year. Like that's, that's something. Um, he had 13 rushing touchdowns in 2020. Um, Cordero Patterson is a guy who, has really fallen down draft boards, even though he finished his, like, I have to pull it up. I think he was a top 10 or 12 running back last year in half PPR. Um, they're going to scale back his workload. They're saying Damian Williams, we'll see what his role is. But, like, I'm interested in Tyler Algier at his at his value, like where he's going in drafts, uh, more so than these other guys. Um, maybe you don't want any Falcons running backs. I don't know. But, like, Tyler Algier is a guy who I would be targeting at the end of my drafts. Yeah, I'm not really there. Um, <laughs> I just I, I think this is going to be a bad team, and they're not going to be able to. He's not rushing for 23 touchdowns on this team. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, he's uh, not. <laughs> I I actually think Patterson is kind of a good value. I mean, he's becoming like, one. Yeah, you know, because he was like an every week starter last season. You know, and like it he he's great as a cat as a pass catcher too. So like game script isn't going to ruin him. Like I. I mean, if they fall behind, like he can still get his, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I necessarily expect him to put up RB two numbers again, like he did last season. But at the price he's going, you don't have to expect that. He's going as uh, the RB thirty and eighty first overall player. So yeah, uh, you know, at that like the potential to get an RB two at that price is intriguing. And even if he's just an RB three, he'll still earn his draft value so he's the one I would be targeting I as far as like I'm not going to try to really parse through the Damian Williams Tyler Algier uh, conundrum right now because I just don't see this as a team that's gonna be able to support two fantasy viable running backs Um, and I think Patterson's gonna be the guy at you know if if he got hurt I don't know maybe it would be a committee maybe one of them would take over but it's hard to know so um, I'm I'm probably not drafting. I, I understand why you might be interested in Algier in Dynasty, um, but I'm I'm not really expecting 
redraft value. We'll see though. It's yeah. it's it's running back. Chaos always wins. <laughs> That's right. Well, I have Cordero Patterson as my RB thirty four, uh, which is about where he's going. But you're right. I think he's a value as well. Um, I have Tyler Algier as my RB forty six. So a few spots higher than ECR and way more than ADP. So see, um, I have Patterson as my RB twenty six. So like, oh, I, yeah. Nice. I mean, I basically <laughs> think like he could be a high end RB three. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, and I have Algier at 54, so he's he's more of a dart throw for me. Yep, all right. Well, um, yeah, Algier is more of a last-round pick. Like, talking about, we talked about, like, Isaiah Pacheco last time in AFC. Like, <laughs> Pacheco earlier, for sure. Uh, some of these guys are getting so much more steam. Like, Algier doesn't have that steam uh, that, like, Pacheco and, like, obviously Damian Pierce and some of these other guys got. But, right. yeah, more of a last-round dart throw for sure. So, we have yep. one more. We have the NFC West, I think, to go through, mm-hmm. right? Where do you yes. want to start? Well, let's start with my boy James Conner. I love James Conner. I mean, he's such a such a uh, great guy, and he's been through a lot in his career. Um, I was just so happy. I have him in Dynasty, so I was biased, but I was just really happy to see him find a good landing spot where he could have such a great comeback season. I mean, he finished as the RB six in fantasy points per game um, and uh, RB five overall. Played fifteen games. Uh, you know, people always knock him for the for the injuries, um, but I mean, he was a true bell cow uh, when he was out on the field. Um, just massive workload, very involved, um, both as a, as a rusher and a receiver. Uh, I just look at this team, and they, this is another team where we don't really know who the backup is. I mean, they drafted Keontae Ingram, but it sounds he was only a sixth round pick, and it sounds like he's not really in the competition at this point. It sounds like it's really down to Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams for the backup and Eno Benjamin's been generating some some positive reviews in camp but um I don't know I look at this as I think they are going to stick with what worked for them last year uh which was really I mean when Chase Edmonds was hurt it was James Conner's show you know and they played some of their best football um when that was the way they were playing so I kind of think they're going to go into this season trying to do the same thing yeah and James Conner right now is I'm looking at his ADP. He's overall 31st. Like James Conner should absolutely be a second round pick. I mean, with those like with what's going to happen the start of the season, DeAndre Hopkins is out for six games. You would think they're going to rely on the run more, but even still, like Cliff Kingsbury, when he gets to the goal line, he gives it to Conner. So I mean, the touchdowns alone, you would think they would regress, but like I don't know that they will like a lot. So and and you know I like Kenyatta Ingram. Um, as a potential, like if Darrell Williams gets cut, I'll like Keontae Ingram even more. We'll see what happens there uh, with the backup. I know Eno Benjamin is probably the direct backup, but he hasn't done a whole lot like to, when we've seen him there in Arizona. So like James Conner has like nothing behind him <laughs> pretty much. So right. that you gotta like that. So he's a he's a solid. And it's a good two. offense too. Yeah, he's a solid round two pick for me. Just like Leonard Fournette. I mean, like these are guys in good offenses. Yes, they're old. It's redraft. Who cares? Draft them. Yeah, and, you know, people talk about the touchdown regression. Sure, fair enough. But, like, you know, with Edmonds out of the lineup, look at the receiving yard numbers um, that Connor had. From week nine on, these are his receiving numbers. Five catches for 77 yards in a TD, four for 25, six for 37, two for 36 in a TD, nine for 94, two for 31, six for 41 in a touchdown. I mean, like, (laughs) those numbers alone are going to make you – 
fantasy viable, let alone the fact he also ran for like double digit touchdowns during that period of time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, he can afford some touchdown regression in this offense, I think. Yeah, no, James Conner's awesome. I mean, like, I, I just want to make sure people aren't afraid to take him in round two because his ADP is 31. Like, no, take him in round two. Yeah, and you know, I I know people think he's injury prone and all that too, and and maybe I, maybe someone's going to come at me for being like a hypocrite for like fading Saquon Barkley, but not Christian McCaffrey or James Conner. Yeah. But you know, I the the reality is that Christian McCaffrey and James Conner have had a lot more elite fantasy seasons in their careers than Saquon Barkley has, and that that to me is the difference more than like. And, and and the offenses just work better and, and have been known to produce that value. So um, that's the difference to me more than just like these guys are, are going to stay healthy and he's going to get hurt. You know, it's not that's not really the argument for me. But um, I, I, I do believe, generally speaking, that people overrate the, the likelihood of re-injury for running backs and they underrate the likelihood of a new injury for a player that hasn't been hurt up to this point. So that's another reason I'm likely to be above consensus on James Conner. Okay. Well, let's go to the LA Rams. Uh, I think this one is pretty clear cut. Uh, you have Cam Akers. Is it? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think you have, I think you have two running backs. You have Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson. And I think that like everyone, well, you're right. Maybe it's not so clear cut because like I have Cam Akers as my RB 17, which feels a little bit too high, honestly, because I have Darrell Henderson as my RB 38 and I feel like I need to move him up. Like, where do you have these two guys? Because like maybe maybe it's not clear cut. Maybe they need to be a little, like a little bit closer together, and both need to be sort of like in that RB twenty to thirty range. Yeah, I mean I've been moving Acres down and Henderson up, and I probably I might keep doing it. Um, right yeah. now I have this is this is as of last Monday. I have Acres at RB nineteen and Henderson at RB thirty one. Um, mm-hmm. But they could get even closer. Uh, I really I don't know. I really see this as being a pretty even split to begin the year. Um, ESPN's uh, Rams beat reporter said they don't think it's a given that Akers will start the season as the Rams true RB one. Um, both Sean McVay and offense coordinator Liam Cohen have said the team plans to use both Akers and Henderson regularly uh, with McVay saying, I look at it as we've got two starting running backs. Yep. Um, so it's going to be split pretty even, I think. And the other question I have is, you know, Akers, <laughs> came off a torn Achilles, which is like the yep. worst possible injury for a running back. He came back way faster than anyone thought was possible, but he wasn't really effective when he came back. So uh, that's like a, a serious concern. Like, is he going to be the player that he was before the injury? We don't actually know yet if that's the case. Um, and, uh, and meanwhile, you know, Henderson has always been pretty solid when given an opportunity to play. I mean, part of that is just because it's Sean McVay, it's the Rams. Like, pretty much whoever starts at running back for this team is going to put up good fantasy numbers. But, like, if it's split down the middle and Akers is lacking explosiveness, like, he's going to be way overdrafted if that's the case, I think. Yeah, and I guess when I say clear cut, I guess I mean, like, in this day and age, it's like, you know who the two running backs are going to be because we've talked a lot about some of these three running back committees. Um, but when it's two you, that you know, and then it's sort of like you don't care about the rest. Like, uh, yeah, but Cam Akers uh, is being drafted uh, way higher. And I think when I look at Darrell Henderson, he's the overall 
like 118, 119 pick on Fantasy Pros, RB42, he's clearly the value versus mm-hmm. a guy like Cam Akers, who's the RB19 and being drafted in the third round. So yeah. you definitely want to take, between the two, I, I would definitely draft Darrell Henderson. Uh, yeah, and I will say, just because both of these guys do have a pretty checkered injury past, like Kyron Williams, the rookie, fifth-round pick, mm-hmm. he seems to be third in line. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, at some point, especially if they are truly going with a two-back rotation, like it, if either of the other guys gets hurt at some point, he could find his his way into the rotation. And yeah. again, this is just an offense where you kind of want the running backs because I mean, you want the you want the quarterback, you want the receivers, you want everything in Sean McVay's offense. And uh, so, Kyron Williams is a guy I would at least put on my watch list. Yeah. Well, when we talk about like where you want a running back, San Francisco in the same division is one of those places where you want to look. And I think what's interesting is. John Lynch said Trey Sermon's been one of the guys who's been like the best player in training camp. And yet when you listen to like some of the beat reporters, they're like, yeah, Trey Sermon, he's a cut candidate. (laughs) So who are we supposed to believe here? I mean, I'd like to believe, you know, John Lynch, but they have Elijah Mitchell there. They have Jeff Wilson Jr. They had, they drafted Tyrion Davis price. They still have Jermichael hasty there. I mean, the 49ers backfield is always kind of a mess. Um, I don't like Elijah Mitchell where he's going. He's sort he's he's definitely in that dead zone for me, and I don't like drafting him there because I think uh, Tyrion Davis Price could easily like overtake. Yeah, Trey Sermon cut. Who knows what's going to happen? Like I like there's value to be had in the San Francisco backfield, but like where is it? Where is it? Mm. Tell me. Well, that's the age old question with <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. Um, I I will beg to differ a little. I mean, I, I I sure I guess I would like to believe John Lynch, but I don't think you can believe anything that John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan say. I mean, they <laughs> right. these guys have been really deceptive in their statements to the media over the years. I mean, go back and look at like the Trey Lance situation. Like, I, I, you know, for everyone, <laughs> yeah. they were telling everyone it was going to be Mac Jones all along, right? And then mm-hmm. they sneak up and <laughs> get Trey Lance. And uh, then the way they talked about that situation with Jimmy Garoppolo and trying to shop him. And it's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's hard to believe what take anything at face value that comes yeah. out of this organization. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little more into drafting Mitchell than you are, it sounds like, because I just see he's clearly the number one running back there right now. Um, again, it could change at some point during the season, but I actually think he's really good. So I don't think it, I think the only way it changes is if he gets hurt. And um, I've long believed that you can, there's usually two running backs in San Francisco that are viable at any given time. So um, I'm interested in this backfield. Uh, I don't really buy the Trey Sermon stuff at all because he's just looked terrible every time we've actually seen him play (laughs) so and they and they kind of spoke their true view of him when they drafted Tyrion David Price in the third round um so uh I'm not really buying the sermon thing um but we're we're gonna find out who makes the team that's gonna be the first thing where we get some clear indication of what's going on I think Jeff Wilson actually could be the guy that's like the under the radar guy who actually puts up like RB3 value yeah maybe (laughs) um because right now it seems like he is the number two man on the depth chart. Um, maybe that's kind of where he stays. And, and maybe if Mitchell were to get hurt again, like he has a lot so far in his career, maybe it's Tyrion Davis Price that jumps Wilson to be the lead guy. I don't know. But um, 
I don't know. San Francisco guys are always interesting. So <laughs> let's let's see what happens with cut down day. Um, and uh, I don't mind ever having a, a backup running back from San Francisco on my bench. If if they are on the game day roster, they are a guy who could find themselves in a ton of value uh, based on one injury. Well, one injury. You mentioned Mitchell, like if he gets hurt. He's been out for the whole preseason with a hamstring injury. So let's yeah. hope that let's hope that he is healthy for week one and he's the guy. But like what if he's not? Like you mentioned Jeff Wilson. He's the RB sixty four overall two thirty nine on fantasy pros. Like, yeah, I mean it, who knows? Like last year in week one, I'll tell you what, I drafted Trey Sermon in like the sixth or seventh round of one league and I even I think I even started in week one and I'm pretty sure he was like he got like one snap or something I mean like so we'll see I mean I'm not saying Elijah Mitchell's gonna get one snap I'm just saying like if he's not healthy someone else could step in there and just like like it might be Tyrion Davis Price it might be Jeff Wilson we'll see what happens (laughs) yeah I think the difference might be that you had Trey Sermon last year and I had Elijah Mitchell last year so we we have different uh emotional reactions (laughs) to this backfield right now um I you know with with Mitchell sitting out yeah he's been sitting out I I haven't gotten much of a sense that he's in any risk of missing week one so and you know there does seem to be a change a broader change happening with the NFL right now where teams are just becoming loath to use their starters in the preseason at all really so um, I think just putting a guy uh, on bubble wrap for the preseason is not nearly as eye-raising as it would have been five years ago yeah it's fine with me I would I would actually like if all teams did that so we got we got one more team Um, the best team the most exciting offense in the NFL today the Seattle Seahawks yeah (laughs) so I think they're I think again this is like a running back room that uh, I think is pretty clear. No, it's not. Uh, you have Rashad no. Penny, who they just signed to a one-year deal. Um, he's healthy. Oh, no, he has COVID. Uh, you have Ken Walker, <laughs> who is dealing with a hernia or something that they won't really talk about. You have Travis Homer, who could be the backup. You have DJ Dallas, who could be the backup. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I like Rashad Penny, actually, like, at a, as a value. Like, COVID, to me, is now that, now that we're two years kind of down the road from COVID, like, He'll be fine for week one. Um, I think Rashad Penny is a nice value, actually. And if Ken Walker, you know, like I actually drafted both Penny and Walker uh, in my keeper league this past weekend. I like that because I think Penny will be a good guy to, you know, play out the first month or two. And Ken Walker could be a really good value, maybe second half of the year slash beyond because I got him in like the sixth or seventh round. So if he's really good and Penny's somewhere else next year, Ken Walker's a nice keeper pick, you know, if you're if you're in that kind of a league. Yeah, I don't mind. Uh, I, I don't mind Ken Walker at all as a keeper dynasty pick, but for redraft, I'm pretty far out on him. I mean, <laughs> like Pete Carroll's another one of these coaches that <laughs> you can't really believe. They're always. I mean, he's just always crazy optimistic about everything. So, uh, you know, he he made it sound like it wasn't a big deal when Ken Walker had a quote unquote procedure. <laughs> but that that's a word for surgery <laughs> yep. he had a he had a surgery and now they were saying they wanted they were hopeful he'd be back in week one now they're saying there's no timetable for his return and that's as of like six days ago so we're getting pretty close to the season to have no timetable for a guy to return at this point i am not expecting ken walker to play a significant role i don't think he'll be active week one and i don't think he'll be 
playing a significant role in this offense for like the first month of the season at least. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of my expectation right now. Granted, you know, we live in a time where one news blurb could change everything. Um, <laughs> but that's my current expectation. So uh, if people are drafting him with rose-colored glasses thinking he's going to be, you know, getting 15 carries in week two, uh, like they're going to be taking him well before where I would be drafting him. So I agree with you. I mean, Penny was already looking like he was ahead of Walker on the depth chart even before Walker got yep. hurt. So uh, I, I do think Penny is a decent value. I have him as my RB22 right now. Um, I, I might move him down a little bit um, in my next set of rankings just because I don't feel great about ranking him ahead of guys like A.J. Dillon and Ramondre Stevenson that are I just feel like are in better, much better situations, I guess you could say. Um but I think Penny's going to see a ton of work. I mean, uh, yeah, and me he too. was quite good last year. I mean, Seattle, we'll see how Russell Wilson being gone affects it. But, I mean, this is a team that has run the ball very well in the past um, with Chris Carson. And uh, it's just been kind of a long track record of running the ball well. So, under Pete Carroll. So, and we know he loves to run the ball. So, oh, yeah, yeah I, uh, I think Penny has a decent chance to be like a low-end RB2, um, at least – uh, I think he could even be a more mid to high end RB two while Walker's out, and then once he's back, maybe still holds on to some low end RB two value. Um, Travis Homer is, you know, a deep league dart throw at this point. I feel like just because um, it does seem like he could be the second back on the field um, for however long Walker's out. Yeah, I'm with you on Penny. You have him as your RB twenty two. I think you said I have him RB twenty four. I've moved him up. I could move him up more. Like I like Penny. Uh, I drafted him. I would draft him again. Uh, it, the Ken Walker stuff is sort of like, it's a little bit nebulous right now. But, yeah, I like Penny. Um, yeah, I don't know about the other guys, but I did pick up Homer in our uh, Dynasty League. So, just yeah, as like I insurance. I, I don't hate that at all. I think I might have had a claim in as well, along <laughs> yep. with like five other guys. But, you know. <laughs> you know, but I think uh, just wrapping a bow on this, like going through all these running back situations, there is a lot of gray area. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's sort of, I think maybe the fact that like teams are not treating the preseason the same way anymore, um, the actual games, preseason games, it's much harder to get a read on these situations and snap counts and stuff like that. Just, I don't know if it yeah. means as much as it used to. Like, we're going to learn so much in week one. We're going to learn so much on cutdown day, which is fast approaching. Um, so, those are the things that are going to sort of uh, give us some sense of what these teams really believe. Uh, rather than just these nebulous statements in the press that we have to that we have to rely on right now. Yeah, so I think cut down day is Tuesday next week. So we should next week, like maybe when we do our tight end preview after that, do a little bit of news and notes at the beginning. Talk about some of these guys. Like we'll wrap, we'll put a little bow on it again. Exactly, and and maybe maybe we'll wait till cut down day to do our next update of rankings. Oh, we're go. just thinking out loud here. <laughs> <laughs> to be determined, but we'll keep you posted on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter. And you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.